Welcome everybody to episode 42 of Minds of Memoriam, an in-depth and very serious exploration into the world of fallen celebrity heroes, hosted by two small-time cowards. I'm your host, Trevor Dillon, and allow me to introduce my co-host, Adam. Uh, I hope it's okay with you if we skip the roast this week, uh, out of respect for... We're not going to be making any jokes this episode, because we're very, very sad. Because the king of roasts... Has passed away, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but he wouldn't. He wouldn't want it. He wouldn't want it. He wouldn't want us to be making any jokes or being silly at all in this episode. Right. Um. So, how do we start? This is a different. This is a different Ghost Party Radio episode because we. Uh, I, you notice I have my serious voice on right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, guys, we will be making plenty of attempted jokes in this episode. Don't worry, uh, because, um. Yeah, I was at a, a lunch uh, with my buddies at Chili's on Monday. Of this Congratulations. Week. The, it's already a, set up for a, a punchline here, but uh, there's no punchline. I just got a, I got a text from one of my good friends that said, uh, no, Norm, no. And I thought, oh, Norm McDonald has been canceled. Um, like, I, I know uh. I know that he, he had been um, kind of definitely certainly down the middle, but leaning right for... Uh, the, the last few years of his life, and I thought that he had maybe said something or a story had come up about him um, from the past. You know, now, nowadays, you know, with, like, the whole Nicki Minaj situation and stuff, like, <laughs> celebrities can just say things and immediately, like, someone like Norm MacDonald can definitely be canceled. Um, right. But I looked it up, and it was, like, you know, comedian uh, Norm MacDonald, dead at 61, had cancer for nine years, and I was like, oh, God. And my immediate thought was... Um, the, oh, the funniest person in the world died. Like for me personally, the funniest person in the world died, which I, I have, I've never felt in my life as mm. a, as a 30 year old man. Like I was like, oh shoot, I don't think I've ever been alive when someone who I felt was the funniest person alive died. So I, I, I you know, I put on my Instagram, like anyone gives a shit, but I put on my Instagram that, uh, like the throne has been vacated. So someone, uh, someone's got to take that throne from me. Uh, Adam, right. Adam, yeah. st- step on up. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, and I, I know uh, if you want to talk a little bit about I'm sure he's influenced you because you yourself have had a history of uh, some comedic attempts in your life, some stand-up, right? No, I've, I've never done – I've never fully committed to stand-up. But, you know, when I was – around the time that I got into movies, there, there was a, a, a single bone in my body that thought, like, you know what, maybe – maybe I will do stand-up comedy as a career or whatever. And then I watched one documentary about it and I was like, oh, that's not for me. Like traveling alone and being sad all the time is not for me. Uh, I can I can do that without being paid. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, <laughs> first, sure? joke, first joke <laughs> of the episode. Yeah, no. Um, but uh, this is a very long-winded way of saying that today's episode is going to be uh, a, a Minds of Memoriam <laughs> about uh, Canadian... Uh, comic legend norm mcdonald who i struggled to explain to my family like who he was uh i was like oh man yeah norm died today and they were like who i'm like norm from and i was like from i mean i could i could have said snl uh i could have said the movie we're talking about today dirty work uh <laughs> but like i was like god he's not really quote unquote from many things right he had like a right. He had a sitcom at one point for a very short-lived time. He made cameos in the Sandler movies. But he mostly was just a really funny comedian. And what people are, you know, circulating now, a bunch of videos, just a really funny person. Like, he was just a funny person. Uh, so that that's what I mean by, like, the funniest person in the world died. Because, man, like, he 
he made me laugh like no one has or ever will. Yeah, I, I just like his comedic cadence and his just whole persona, which I, I have a feeling he worked hard to upkeep, even though it felt effortless. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, I, I don't think we'll ever see anything like it. Um, so yeah, anyways, thank you all for yeah. listening to this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, I have to agree. I, he was not a personal favorite and I, I wasn't as, um, committed, I guess, to Norm as you are, were, uh, but, uh, obviously I knew of him and, uh, he's hilarious. The little that I knew of him, I liked, um, I know there's a little bonus thing where he was a gamer too, Trevor, keep that in mind. Oh, was he really? See, I know that. So this is crazy. Last week I checked his Twitter because I don't follow him on Twitter, but like I saw he was like a, he had a lot of followers on Twitter. And the reason I don't follow him on Twitter is because he tweets like every 10 minutes about like sports and he'll just tweet like <laughs> about sports and get like 60 likes on a tweet and then just keep <laughs> tweeting. And he just didn't tweet for anybody. He just truly never did anything. I think to make like people happy and we're going to just kind of talk with this openly and wildly and that's okay. But I don't have any notes to this episode. I just know that a lot of the extremely funny people, people that you might like or the listeners might like, say that Norm had the most um, original cadence, like I already mentioned, for a comedian. But he also taught a lot of comedians, uh, not literally, they just kind of picked it up from watching his stand-up, that doing the joke, if you believed in the joke, it didn't matter what the audience thought. Like, it didn't, like, like, like that was like kind of a... A window into a different realm for a lot of comedians who would go up and do these jokes and be like i believe in this joke and if the audience doesn't like it then fuck them and norm was like fully the king of that like i saw him do stand up three times um two of which were fairly recently like within the last five years so he was very very sick uh i guess at the time uh and he was trying out new material every time i saw him because i would see him in like irvine you know what i mean like that's where good comedians go to make a ton of money and also not bring their a material um and he like was just kind of like sometimes incoherent but like kind of like trying out different things and just feeling out the audience and it's just like it was so funny still you know what i mean like i was just like these are not polished jokes but they're so funny that every once in a while he would just stop doing jokes and he would just start talking to someone in the audience about like how he went like fishing in Canada that weekend. And and it's like kind of like he was like half Andy Kaufman, half like super polished, like comedians, comedian, you know? Right. Yeah. I think to your testament, one of my favorite little norms things, uh, which is I know going to sound ridiculous at first, but, you know, when he became Colonel Sanders for the KFC commercials. Right. Um, there was one of those commercials where he's just sort of talking into the camera about something. And I think he says something like in his like almost accent. Um, and then in the commercial, he kind of like casually shakes his head. No, like he knows that that's not going to work. And they left it in there. And I just thought that was so good. You know? Yeah, there's always a self-awareness. Like I said, that he he downplayed. I think a lot of people would agree he downplayed how like incredibly smart he was. Like mm-hmm. he always was like the smartest person in the room. But he would and he would only bring that out when he needed to every once in a while. Like if he was on like the View, and you could tell that he like was really disliking the way that they were talking to him and they were kind of discrediting him. He would then pull out like his knives and be like, actually, like I'm actually for sure the smartest person in this room. But <laughs> 
uh, famously, like, I'm sure you're very aware of his roast of Bob Saget, who, you know, directed the movie we're going to be talking about soon, um, <laughs> is iconic for the fact of the matter of, like, a lot of, what a lot of people don't talk about in that is that, of course, he's up there in front of a lot of comedians that he respected. Like, literally, Bob Saget's, like, one of his heroes, the first comedian he ever saw live. And he's willing to bomb, like, the first five or six jokes until not only the audience catches up, but his fellow comedians catch up. And that, like, takes, like, more, like, no one would do that. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. people would come out. And, and I, like, I know Andy Samberg went up years later and did, like, a, an alt roast. And I know Bill Hader did kind of an alt roast. But it's just nothing compared to, like, going up in front of, like, like very good comedians and doing something like that. But another thing that people don't talk about in that roast is his commitment the entire roast to be he was doing a word like a, a crossword puzzle the whole time like during the roast and then when someone would roast him he would look up from the crossword puzzle and be like hey what the heck why would you <laughs> why would you say that about me you know and it was funny because you didn't know why he was reacting that way until he did his jokes and they were all mega clean jokes <laughs> and then it, so you understand that like he was playing a character the whole time of right. like guy who didn't expect roast to actually be mean but yeah it just yeah that's just one of the many like iconic things that, i know a lot of people uh pass around the you know anytime he would go on conan and tell the moth joke or mm -hmm. his famous run he had about um that carrot top movie chairman of the board yeah um just yeah I, I, you know if you a lot of people were going down the rabbit hole this week of norm videos and it's always funny to me because it's like i do that every like three months you know i don't want to sound like a hipster or whatever but like there are like four times a year will i will stay up till like ungodly hours watching whatever new video i can get of norm from like the 90s you know even i've done that a few times you know and i'm not as big a fan i haven't seen the the bob saget thing actually so i definitely check that out after Wait, this. you you haven't seen the roast of bob saget i have not Oh my I, God! You're gonna you're gonna love it. You're gonna die. Uh, but I, well, I do anyway. I think uh, I think I agree with everything you said, even though I haven't seen him as much as you have. Um, just because he gives off that aura, he's he's effortlessly funny, uh, and he's smart, and he's a nice guy from what it seems like. Um, a lot of people have been posting sort of favorite tweets or conversations they've had with him in the past, and he's always been very like reassuring and kind, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, the, the tweets are weird because they just seem like they're coming from, like, a different person. I'm, I'm just like, this is like, he's, like, not his persona at all. And mm -hmm. he also, like I mentioned, this is my third time mentioning it, his cadence. Like, you can read a Norm joke on paper and you'll immediately read it in his, like, in his way he'd say it. Mm -hmm. um, but you'll deliver the punchline exactly how he'd want you to. And uh, that's that's a crazy, crazy skill to, to, to hone over years. Uh, before we get into the movie we're going to talk about today, uh, obviously, Norm MacDonald's dirty work, or I should say Bob Saget's dirty work. Um, and, you know, just in case there's anybody who was insane enough to click on this episode who didn't want to hear about Norm MacDonald, uh, let's do a little bit of media diet. We do, we do this every once in a while in some of our uh, alt episodes where we just talk about what we've been watching recently. Adam, what have you been watching recently and what have you thought about it? Yeah, so uh, I saw Come and See over at the Frida. You didn't warn me about it. Um, I did, though. I, 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 I'm sure if you've ever said those words together, I would say, like, okay, be careful. That movie is extremely intense. <laughs> it's pretty intense. It wasn't as intense as I thought it was going to be. Um, and, and I went in, like, thinking that I was going to be able to handle it. And then by the time I left, I was like, ooh, no, I, I couldn't handle that too much. 
Yeah, I mean, like, there's 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 a scene, and obviously, if anyone hasn't seen the 1985 Russian film, come and see. Uh, I'll obviously not spoil it, but there's a scene. I believe it's in a church or a building in a, in the small a small town that um, people are being like packed into, mm-hmm. uh, and it is like the most harrowing scene I've ever seen. Like yeah. it is like so intense. I mean, that's the one that got me. The uh, everything else is 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 intense, but not you know. It's I guess you know we're spoiled now. We have Mortal Kombat on HBO. Um, but, but that scene specifically is just brutal. Um, but on the other side of the corn, I rewatched, uh, Punch Drunk Love, one of my favorites. I feel like <laughs> that's one of everybody's favorites, right? Yeah. I mean, my, my Twitter avatar is Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. So. You I, know, what's funny about a Punch Drunk Love that I always forget. I always forget. And I'm serious about this because this is an insane thing to say. It's so Adam Sandler heavy in my mind that sometimes I forget Paul Thomas Anderson wrote and directed it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, know, I know that makes no sense at all. Mm-hmm. And it's like one of my top three PTA movies. Uh, and when I'm feeling frisky, I'll just say it's my favorite because it's just such an easy watch, like 90 minutes in out. We're on with it. But uh, right. no, um, no Norm MacDonald cameo in that movie, huh? No, unfortunately not. Uh, we get Philip Seymour Hoffman, which maybe we'll do a Minds of Memoriam on him someday. Uh, we would have absolutely, yes, we would have absolutely done that, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think aside from that, actually, if you'll let me uh, indulge myself here a little bit, Trevor. I will not. Um, okay. Some of the media, besides uh, film, because that's not the only art form, um, I've been uh, gaming. I finally finished up the Mass Effect trilogy, so uh, all you. Uh, haters out there can be proud of me um it took a long time it took all summer but i'm proud of it and now i'm starting death loop just came out uh you know and we'll see where it goes it's been getting great reviews and i can't wait what if you had to give me the elevator pitch on mass effect what would you say it is um i would say it's uh star trek but you play as the captain and there's a lot more aliens oh who, uh, if you had to pick a director in Hollywood to helm the Mass Effect trilogy, who would you pick? Why, J.J. Abrams, of course. <laughs> I, didn't know you were gonna, I thought you were going to say that or like Guillermo del Toro or something. I mean, maybe. There's there's these, uh, the, the main sort of antagonists throughout the series are the Reapers, and they're like giant aliens, but they already have their own design, you know. Right, um, GD, GDT doesn't bring anything to the table on that point. Yeah, GDT. You know, Trevor, you... There's more to life than just movies, okay? Norm MacDonald played Fire Emblem Heroes. We got to get you into video games. I know. He was also, uh, like, you know, later in life, uh, he was also doing a lot of voiceover in, like, Cartoon Network shows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he was even in, uh, he, he was a voiceover person, and uh, Issa, uh, a manager at the, at the theater uh, that I run, she... She said that he was a voice in Klaus, that, that movie that got nominated for an Oscar from oh, yeah. uh, Netflix. And right. she said he was great in it. <laughs> His like, performance was super good. Interesting. Okay. Um, will you allow me to do a Norm MacDonald joke on your, on, on your stuff that you've been talking about? I'm going to start doing more Norm jokes throughout the episode. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, I think that the worst thing about Come and See is how shaky the camera is. Like we're constantly, it's like shaking. I think that's the worst part. Oh, um, except for all the killing. Okay. All right. Thank you. Now, let's hear what you've been uh, dieting with lately. 
I have. So I, I went to Mexico last week, and it's been a while since we've talked because we uh, banked up that heat episode last week. But yeah. spent a few nights in Mexico. Uh, it was humid and beautiful. Puerto Vallarta, one of my favorite places in the whole world. On the way back, I had some TVs on the way there. I didn't. But uh, I watched like the last 20 minutes of like a bunch of movies. Uh, so <laughs> I, I watched like the last 20 minutes of Knives Out. I watched the last, well, of uh, like 30 minutes of Last Black Man in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I watched the last 40 minutes of The Matrix, which I think is like a perfect 40 minute stretch of a movie. Mm-hmm. I watched the last 40 minutes of Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind. I watched the last 20 minutes of Lost in Translation. But I watched a full movie when I came back from Mexico because people would not stop talking about it on the timeline. Do you know what I'm about to say? Uh, I have no idea. All right. Streaming now on HBO Max and uh, currently bombing in the box office is James Wan's newest film, Malignant. Oh, yeah, that's right. Have you heard anything about Malignant? I've heard very mixed things about it. Yeah, so Malignant is a movie that I saw a trailer for before some of the genre stuff I've seen recently. Candyman, The Night House, etc., etc. The trailer, not good. I was like, James Wan, what are you doing? How familiar are you with James Wan? Um, Yeah, I've seen like... uh... You know, a couple James Wan. He's he's very mainstream. I know that. Yeah, so he started with uh, Lee Wanell, who was kind of his own thing now, uh, making mm-hmm. uh, the Saw franchise, essentially. They made Saw and Saw 2. Uh, and then they moved on to making another franchise, Insidious and Insidious 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they w- moved on to making another franchise, The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this man is just a machine. He just makes movies that turn into franchises. He's he's the current master of horror, like undoubtedly, at least like you said in the mainstream. Uh, so he starts franchises, and he also hops into other franchises. So he hopped in and made Fast and the Furious 7, which is like, I think, a top two or three Fast and Furious movie. And then he made Aquaman, which is like, besides Birds of Prey, has got to be one of the better like main mainline DC movies. Um, so he's great. He's got range. Seems like a really cool guy. He's like 45 still, which is crazy because he made Saw so young. Um, this movie is uh, the perfect example. This movie, and the reason why people are talking about Drag Me to Hell recently on the timeline, if you have noticed. Drag Me to Hell rules, but also this is James Wan's Drag Me to Hell after Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. Like the last three movies that James Wan has made have been Fast and the Furious 7, uh, Conjuring 2, which made a ton of money, and then uh, Aquaman. So he's literally been working either in his his universe making tons of money or other people's universe making $200 million movies. Uh, funny enough, Malignant is not a small, small budget movie. It's still like a $40 million movie, um, which is especially funny because like Insidious costs like $1.5 million and Saw costs less than that. And uh, even The Conjuring, the first Conjuring, only costs like $20, $25 million, So... People are acting like this is a very, very small budget movie, but it's actually like $40 million, and when you watch it, you can tell the way that the camera's moving. He does very fancy camera work. Um, it is it is the most absurd, bonkers movie I've seen in a long, 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 long time, especially in the mainstream. Uh, so wow. I get why people are talking about it, um, because I couldn't get a grip if there's any movie I've seen recently that I couldn't get a grip on, it's Malignant. I just couldn't get a grip on it. And then something in, I would say, the quote-unquote third act happens that is so insane <laughs> that it happened. Uh, and then I just muttered to myself, good for you. And I turned it off. <laughs> so you didn't even finish it. No, I hated the film. I, I, I loathed Malignant, but I respected wow. it. I respected it deeply. 
Okay. Um, for just being truly like James Wan's, like I got to make a movie between Aquaman and Aquaman Two. So let me make this like tr- insane ode to Giallo and eighties uh, Hen and Lauder fucking weird movies, and like it's just such a mishmash and so not for me. But truly, I was like happy i was happy that it existed and that people are going bonkers over it so i understand why people love or they hate it okay well geez yeah i mean it turns I just, out I, you don't even really like movies i guess you know I, it just it just was it just struck that nerve of just like i'm i i still haven't really even settled back in from mexico since i've been back i've been working 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 i was like i'm just gonna go to bed as opposed to watching the last 20 minutes of this movie <laughs> because the the scene i saw was so bonkers and I knew it was going to get crazier. And I was like, oh, I just don't have the energy for this. And maybe I just live the rest of my life not knowing what happens at the end of this movie. Interesting. All right. I got one last question for you. Uh, sure. what, what's next? What's your next movie? My next movie is going to be uh, another, I'm hoping, crazy movie. Sian Sono and Nicolas Cage and Prisoners of the Ghostland. Right. Yeah. Yes. Because I am, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing for a Q&A tomorrow night the writers of Prisoners of the Ghostland. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm really stoked on that. So I need to watch it, and then just—I mean, even though I, even though, like, I can watch it right before the Q and A, because my my questions are not going to be based like so much in the plot as much as like, you know, I want to ask them like, how does it feel to write a script and then have Sion Sono and Nicolas Cage sign on to that script? Like, <laughs> like when you write a Gonzo script and then Cage signs on, and you're like, okay, we need like a. Uh, we need like a, a gonzo filmmaker and like the gonzo japanese auteur <laughs> hops onto your movie like i'm like what what is that like what is that phone call like is it exactly how you envisioned it you know um <laughs> just acting acting basically asking them like super loaded questions like that okay yeah i uh i still have to watch love exposure i'm excited about it but yeah it's like four hours long right but i just saw um a brighter summer day also right. over at the frida right. so i'm ready I was going to say um, that uh, Love Exposure is Sion Sono's uh, A Brighter Summer Day. <laughs> That's literally what I was about to say. Uh, so you've been over at the Frida quite a bit, huh? Yeah, I've been uh, walking over there pretty frequently lately. I'm excited to go back. I do want to check out Battleship Potemkin. Yes. Um, somebody, uh, when we re- released that programming, was like, oh, Battleship Potemkin, they don't play that anywhere. The past hundred years, they haven't been playing that anywhere. And I kind of laughed at myself, like, oh, they, they definitely do. They just don't play it in Orange County, California. <laughs> um, but everyone's dropping their October programming, like Brain Dead, New Beverly, Beyond Fest, all that stuff came out yesterday on the same day. Yeah. And uh, we're going to drop ours on the 25th, like we always do. I mean, we, the 25th of the month is when the new calendar comes out for the next month. Come on. Uh, and I uh, think I think people are going to really like it. I think people are really going to be stoked about it. Drop it a little early, huh, for me. <laughs> are you going to go to Camp Frida this year? I would love to. I would love to work it again, if possible. Yeah, so uh, listeners, Camp Frida is a marathon. that This will be the fifth year. That's how, that's how I know how many years of it at the Frida. It's, uh, it's like... It, when Camp Frida 5 happens, it'll have been like five years and a couple months that I've been there, at least as a volunteer uh, slash, you know, manager slash what I do now. But um, it's going to be it's going to be a, a fun one this year for sure. I, I, I've thought of the uh, the concept and uh, mm. people are going to love it. A more American films. Yeah. <laughs> um, if we both since people, you know, if, if I want to work it and the people working there usually dress up and the people coming in usually dress up. What do you think about the idea that uh, we both dress up as Neo? Yeah, I, w- I was well. Do you know who I'm going to be for Halloween this year? Who? Hubie. Okay. 
Boo. <laughs> Would you know a Hubie Halloween on site? No. <laughs> you, you you wouldn't look at somebody and be like, oh, he's dressed as Hubie Halloween. No, I mean, I might have, if it was you, because they know you're a maniac, but not like in general. <laughs> was Norman, uh, was he in Hubie Halloween? He had to have been. He had to have been. I don't remember him, though. I hope not. Uh, speaking of Norm, let's get back to the uh, Minds of Memoriam. Uh, so I basically wanted to watch Dirty Work uh, this week. This is Bob Saget's film Dirty Work, starring Norm Macdonald and Artie Lang. You know, two huge movie stars. Um, uh, Adam, did you, had you even heard of this movie before uh, I recommended that we watch it? I had not. So I appreciate you uh, enlightening my <laughs> worldview here. Yeah. So this is a movie that came it was, you know, it was born out of SNL. These two were on SNL at the time, or uh, actually, technically, Norm wasn't. He had already he had been fired, but people knew these two, Artie Lang and Norm Macdonald from uh, SNL. And uh, how do I say this? It bombed horribly and got terrible, terrible reviews when it came out. Um, which is funny because I think it like stands next to some of like the worst, like, like the worst, the lesser. Sandler movies. I think there's some huge, huge laughs in this movie, but just like Norm Macdonald himself, there's it's an acquired taste. Like you have to like that comedic sensibility. Um, Saget behind the behind the camera brings basically nothing to the movie. It's it's directed completely pedestrian. I would say uh, he brings negative to the movie. <laughs> he yeah, the movie's worse off for him directing it. Right. I I think uh, I I love how. Pretty much every scene feels disconnected from the previous scene. There's a scene where, like, Norm and uh, his buddy are sitting on the couch after, like, doing a bunch of stuff. And then they sit up and they're like, hey, that was a lot of fun that we did all that stuff. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Does it feel like it's on purpose, though? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well... So let's just talk about the movie generally. I mean, it's it's not a heist movie. This is why it's not part of our main series. But it, you, it could be argued it's kind of a, a, a mischievous caper movie. They're kind of uh, pulling pranks on people, which are uh, I think are undeniably fun to watch. But you're right. They kind of are just like sketches on top of sketches that are barely held together by a thread. Right. I also like the idea of like it opens with uh, Norm being sort of, you know, his character being very clever, right? And sort of... Uh, um serving up justice in a smart and sophisticated way almost like uh what do you call it a poetic justice almost right 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 uh, um and then it sort of devolves over the course of the movie to just putting fish around a house <laughs> it's 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 incredible the movie like gets dumber as it goes and it's 81 minutes uh and it's uh i i forgot to mention this from 1998 and the thing about it bombing, it's kind of crazy because it has Norm Macdonald, Artie Lang, Chris Farley's in it, who was, he made, his movies made money with. He's the best part of it. He, he really brought it and that was so cool. Yeah, but like you have Don Rickles in this, you have Chevy Chase <laughs> in this, uh, Sandler makes a little cameo. So like, it's like any of that getting out of front, it's, it was too early. If it had ridden the Sandler wave of like Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore, it might have stood a chance because. The weird thing about this movie that I had forgotten, which is very obvious while watching it, is that it's PG-13. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that, but yeah, it must have been, huh? Yeah, it's it's not really that dirty. There's not a lot of language. It's like all of the stuff. So, for example, the two, two of the most iconic scenes from the movie are the uh, the ridiculous scene in the jail where he goes off, where he, he, he whispers into Artie Lang's ear what happens to people in jail. So he doesn't actually say anything bad. 
then he goes off screen and then we come back and he's been uh he's been had by the uh, by the prisoners who casually walk up to him and then he just chastised them by saying like ridiculous you you boys have a lot of growing up to do i i, I have a mind about me to go to the warden with this <laughs> and um and then he says you know what's the worst part the disrespect that's the worst part and then he says well, that and the and then he clearly says something much worse, but then the movie edits over and says like I forgot what the movie all, actually says. All the other said. stuff, I think. All the right. other stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's very clear that like that may have been the line where they would have gotten the R rating, mm-hmm. but they had to like say it over him. Um but it definitely walks a thin line for sure. And then the other scene is like the, the like you mentioned the fish in the house scene, mm-hmm. which is um so one of my, one of the funniest movies in the 2010s for me, at least maybe I mean honestly maybe the funniest movie is uh, Pop Star, Never Stop Never Stopping, mm. and um, there's a really funny bit in that movie about uh, some bees that come along during a meeting. Do you, do you recall yeah. this part? Yeah, that's a great bit. It's a great bit, but it's it, I believe it's stolen from this movie with the fish where. Mm. Uh, you know, it smells like fish in here. What is that, a code? And then they start shooting each other off screen, and it cuts to just Artie and Norm in the other room holding the fish, and we don't see anything. We just hear of it. So that's how they kind of skate around the R rating, obviously. Right. Even when you hear them leave the house and you can hear them squishing through all the blood. Yeah. Um, Actually, uh, I think the best joke in that scene <clears throat> is uh, after everything goes down, um, when Norm walks out, but Artie's still putting fish in the planter. Yep. That's yep. pretty good. He's I still like going that. along with the with the joke, <laughs> which is really funny. Yeah, that got me. I just love that. Like, like we're like, how old are these guys supposed to be in this movie? Because it's so funny that they work at like a movie theater, and then that like Don Rickles is like dressing them down. <laughs> Uh, he's just being super, super funny. Like where he like he looks at Artie Lang's tummy, and he's like, "Ice cream, how you doing in there?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I like I, I like. You know, like I used loosely, but the the idea of like, oh, they gave, they wanted him to make him the cool guy, so they gave him like a big open shirt over just a regular t shirt, and they're gonna play some <laughs> third eye blind because it's the nineties. Uh, I just love that Norm's comedic sensibility is just he's just being Norm. He's not changing his cadence at all. So like, mm-hmm. he'll pull out his thing and be like, "Note to self, blah 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 is an idiot," mm-hmm. or he'll say like, um, uh. Sorry, let me th- let me think of another. I got one. Note funny. to self: yeah. I don't want to live. <laughs> yeah, no, I just mean like even the voiceover is so lifeless, yeah. and just he's like he's like not an actor, but he's not tr- even trying to be an actor. So it's almost like he had already just told himself that this movie was gonna bomb, and like who cares? And he just right. said that was what I love about him is he never took anything seriously, but he was still really really funny. Yeah, I mean that's exactly it, right? Like he was not acting at all in this movie <laughs> not a moment and to be fair there's not a moment of sincerity that he's, they even need but uh right. I, just a classic norm thing that like isn't on the page probably but is when they get beat up in the bar and obviously the chris farley part is really funny where he's like g7 <laughs> he's like you hit g8 and then it plays the wrong song yeah uh and then they go back to the frat house and they prank them by being like oh there's a bunch of cops coming around that are, are, are dressed up as cops. They're not real cops. And then he picks up the phone again, the pay phone, of course. And he says, hi, real cops? <laughs> so it's like, so he's just cluing in the audience to the joke. I just think it's like, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I really like that. Um, but anyway, so, so it sounds like you didn't love the movie. Yeah, this was um, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. 
and if I enjoyed it at all, it was very little. But I did love Norm in it. <laughs> Rest in peace, King. Yeah, <laughs> just, he was. Just... It's funny because this is such a Norm. This feels like it couldn't work without Norman McDonald, but he was so terribly miscast for this movie as well. <laughs> well, to be fair, he he co-wrote it, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Thirteen million dollar budget seemed like a pretty low risk for the studio <laughs> at the time, and guaranteed did not make its money back. It does have some cult appeal, though. It's funny that like there is like a cult. I think the cult following comes a lot from like the Farley, the Rickles, the Chevy Chase, the Sandler being in it. Like, uh, it's funny you say that because I think this movie works way better if Artie Lang is not in it. Like, Artie Lang is the one not bringing really much to the table in this movie, uh, but he's totally fine. I mean, I disagree with you that um, you know. I just think it's funny. Like, it's like. To read the plot of the movie, like I mentioned from 1998, it's like, friends, Sam and Mitch, it's funny that Norm's name is Mitch, uh, needs, because he seems like he'd be a Mitch anyway, need $50,000 <laughs> to pay for Sam's dad's heart surgery when they're fired for getting revenge on their abusive, oh, yeah, that scene is so funny, men in black. <laughs> <laughs> Who like to have sex with each other it's just exact a perfect example of not showing anything right. like that's how you get that pg-13 rating but if like if i know his sensibilities at all the co-writer uh norm mcdonald it's that's the whole joke is that we don't see anything if right. we saw the things it wouldn't be nearly as funny for him i feel like so yeah um, this alien looks like a really hot dude we should have sex with him <laughs> yeah 14 percent on rotten tomatoes uh-huh 6.4 on imdb yeah that's uh pretty stinking high <laughs> it, it's really high and and on voodoo it has a 3.9 out of 5 yeah that's that's ridiculous but you know i i get the appeal and i get like sort of just wanting to sit back i mean uh, i don't know i like stupid movies in their own right i think airplane is one of my favorite movies i think it's hilarious yeah um kung pao rules I, I was actually go ahead this is funnier than kung pao it's absolutely not um there, there's not as much craft in it but this has bigger laughs to me than kung pao i don't know man that's that's the thing is like kung pao's kind of clever i feel like the the <laughs> when you you so you texted me last night that line from uh that he says in prison that says a ridiculous you have a lot of growing up to do and that's kind of how i would approach the writers of this film uh, yeah, I know. mean, well, the fact that we don't even know how old these characters are supposed to be is a huge problem, right? I, I, and there's a lot of like, uh, you know, I get it. I get it if you're just trying to have a good time, right? I understand. I don't want to badmouth it, but jokes like, "Hey, that's my shirt," and then the guy just decides, "All right, well, I'll take it off here in broad daylight," but then he's just covered in hair, and then the guy's like, "Oh no, I was talking to another guy." <laughs> you know, those are just okay. All right, we get it. If this was directed by Adam McKay starring John C. Riley and Will Ferrell, you would not be saying the same thing. No, no. I, if this it, was if this was directed by um, I guess a twelve year old and written by and starring by fourteen year olds, uh, then I would not be saying the same thing. You're right. I say this often, but this if this movie was in black and white <sighs> and directed by Jean Luc Godard, you would lose <laughs> your mind. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, I, I'd probably actually look over the sort of disjointedness and be like, oh, that was an interesting choice for... Mm -hmm. That jump cut there really worked for me, <laughs> artistically. Um, yeah, no, it's just so... I mean, this is not the best representation of Norm MacDonald, mm -hmm. for sure, but cinematically, it, he just 
he didn't do much. So um, it's just funny to get fired from SNL and immediately go make a movie that bombs and and basically makes you box office poison for the rest of your life. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I'm sure he wouldn't he wouldn't regret he doesn't regret a second of it, I'm sure, which is why why I really like him. Right. And I do. I got to say, I do love that aspect of he knew that he was in the movie the whole time and he wasn't like trying to play it out at all. And he knew it was going to fail. And I love that. Uh, I have a one-liner uh, that I just remembered, and I'm not going to try out uh, Norm jokes on you, but the the person that I showed it to didn't understand the joke, and you, you tell me if you understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Norm said, um, I like my spaghetti like I like my movies. Meatballs, too. Uh, I was assuming that's a reference to the movie. Yeah, so he's saying yeah. he likes his spaghetti with meatballs, too, and he likes the movie Meatballs, too. Yeah. Which is a real movie that exists, but people don't like it. So that's right. why it's funny. <laughs> that's why that joke is funny. And explaining it is even funnier, I guess. Right. Yeah, I mean, I like uh, that I like that sort of dedication to it. But, uh, <laughs> you know. It's such a dumb, dumb joke. Um, my favorite one that I discovered from him recently, as we, as we definitely are wrapping this episode, this very short episode up, <laughs> um, a, a joke that I saw him do recently that reminded me like of my sense of humor very much, and the person I showed it to said that, and it was I was like, oh, thank you. That's extremely nice of you to say. Um, I, by the way, I showed this to someone who doesn't think I'm funny at all. For So for them to say that. Um, so this is a gen? This was my girlfriend, Jennifer, yeah. Uh, so he is sitting there, and he, he had this weird bit on his – he had, a, he had a, a show on Netflix, actually. It might even be on there, but he had a, a full-season show on Netflix that was super, super low budget. Maybe you watched that. It had, but, it, like, he had, like, Jane Fonda, David Letterman, Larry King, M. Night Shyamalan he had on. Like, he had the craziest guests for this show um, like there's like such huge guests that just should oh Cohen and O'Brien like people who just really obviously respected him I guess um, I don't know why M Night was on but I loved it uh, the M Night episode is just fascinating because there's a, a portion of the show where he hands the guest jokes to read uh-huh. and the, the the guest always says who wrote these you can actually look up the video on YouTube it's called like who wrote these jokes Norm McDonald uh-huh. and every time they read the joke they say like who wrote these and the the bit was that norm would never tell them who wrote the jokes mm-hmm. but it's so obvious that he wrote all the jokes because they're like very norm jokes <laughs> and he'd just be like ah some guy or ah. he, he would just kind of mumble and he wouldn't say who wrote them uh the m night episode is really weird and kind of makes his movies comedically make sense because man he cannot deliver the jokes like he he can't do it um and he's just so tone deaf to the jokes and it's pretty hard to watch really but he didn't take any notes on it right so well but norm would be like read it like this read it like this and then he'd do it again he would not that he not that he wouldn't take the note he just wouldn't do the note uh so i thought that was fascinating do you ever worry that um that an m night Shyamalan presidency would be the same as a trump presidency (laughs) why because he thinks he doesn't have to listen to the generals he knows more than them I mean, I, I wait. Why would I be worried about an M Night Shyamalan presidency? I don't know. You, I just seeing if you're rolling with what I'm thinking here. I mean, the man was born out of the country. He can't be president, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what was I saying about about his talk show? His talk show is is, is really is really good. Uh, and, oh yeah, but he did a he did a bit. Uh, so so he had his talk show, but then when that got canceled after one season, because of course it did. Uh, he went and did uh, did a YouTube uh, channel version of it. It was called like the Norm McDonald Show, and it was on YouTube, and it had like the same budget basically. 
And the weird bit that he did during that is every so often he would wear like an SDSU or a UCSD jacket, like a really tight one, mm-hmm. for like no reason. It was never explained why. Like he didn't have children who went there. He never he didn't go there. Like it just was funny that he would wear it so often. And his joke is that he's saying it to the to the guests. He's saying, "I have vowed to not eat a morsel of food until Margaret Thatcher is dead and buried." That's what he said. <laughs> And then the guest said she died like three weeks ago, and it, it it smash cuts back to him, and he has a full bucket of KFC chicken, and he's just he's just destroying it like com, com, you know comically, right. uh, and I think it's so funny. It's I just, love that. It's just really great. Yeah, no, I love uh, I love that joke. And if actually I can go back, I think, I think if maybe the movie wasn't directed by Bob Saget and had a little bit better editing, I probably would have liked it a lot more. I, I like the yeah. idea of those jokes and. Norm's sense of humor is perfect in a lot of ways. He's a, he's. I just finished rewatching Thirty Rock. Um, uh-huh. I, I think there's a lot of overlap between those uh, kinds of humor. Norm's uh-huh. in that show. Interesting. Yeah. Have you not seen yeah. Thirty Rock? I have, but I I, okay. I, I know Norm always had nice things to say about Tina Fey, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting. He was like, she she's like she's a comedic force and stuff like that. I don't think people like Tina Fey anymore. No. <laughs> like she must. I think she said a few things that people just like really weren't vibing with. I think she got too rich. Yeah, I think that was it. I th- yeah, and uh, I think the her uh, I think it's her idea of politics, which is she's yeah. very like. She's she's definitely liberal, but I think her idea is like very about uh, compromising on a lot of things, and I think that's where people are like, oh, yeah. And she also just is consistently friends with Alex Alec Baldwin, which people don't really like that either. So. Right. Um. Do you any any final thoughts on uh old Normie Mac there? Um. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna miss him. You know, I wasn't following him, but that closely. But I always enjoyed. Uh, when he popped up in my timeline or whatever and uh it is it is a great loss i'm sure yeah he um he just never had any time for like frauds mm-hmm. and i you know i was i always think that like if i were to accidentally become somewhat famous or in the public eye that i would behave in the same way of just being like i don't have time for like like i'll go on the view but i don't have time for that you know what i mean like like i that doesn't make any sense like he went on the view but you could tell he was going on the view specifically because he didn't like those people and he was there to screw with them and just only screw with them you know and it was a little too late before they would figure out what he was doing and then they would immediately cut the segment off because obviously it's their show (laughs) but uh you really should watch his stuff on uh on uh the view although you're really talking up the view on this episode it's it's funny because it's that that's the new stuff that I found this week because like I said I'm kind of a norm hipster and I had seen everything I had not seen him versus the View he went on the View a few times and he was just immediately antagonistic like he would sit down and they'd be like how are you doing how are you doing he's like good 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 yeah he's like I'm uh I'm happy that uh that Bush won I love love that guy he's a great great president love that guy like immediately trying to make them pissed like immediately. <laughs> And then they're like, "Oh, he's like, well, I just feel like we don't need any more crooks and murderers in the in the uh, the White House." And they're like, and then like immediately, Barbara Walters is like, "Okay, okay, okay." And he goes, "What? What? You didn't know the? He didn't know Bill Clinton? He, he murdered a guy." <laughs> and which which apparently, like, if you look into it, like, the thing at the time was that Bill Clinton had someone killed. It was like fairly obvious that he had someone killed. Uh, and they're they're like Norm, Norm, Norm. We don't we don't say that stuff on the show. We don't say. He's like, "What? He's like, what? Manslaughter?" <laughs> And just like like not backing down at all, like didn't care if they threw 
It's a commercial. That was his last appearance on the, on the view. Yeah. He didn't come back after that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah, everyone, spoil yourself. Watch some Norm McDonald videos. Um, you're going to f- find a lot of videos of, like, comedians who you don't like, like Dennis Miller or David Spade or uh, Colin Quinn. I, mean, I think people still like Colin Quinn. But, like, everyone has a Norm story. Everybody has a Norm impression uh, because he was just kind of that. His cadence was that iconic. Uh, everyone liked him. Like, like, like I mentioned earlier, he was, like, the comedian's comedian. Um, and he just like never really hit the mainstream the way that he should have for how funny and brilliant he was. But it's just a lot of us can figure out very quickly by watching a movie like Dirty Work why that was the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just was an acquired taste. And um, I know I went to see him live a couple of times and I went one time and the two people I was with, they, they hated it. They hated <laughs> it. They were like, this is not funny. And I'm like, well, weird. Cause there's 300 other people in this room who are laughing our asses off. So who's the problem here? You know? Right. Um, so anyways, um, like you said, Norm Macdonald definitely, uh, will be missed. And w- when I got the news, I was sad, but like, it didn't like throw me off. Although literally, like I told you, I've been tired all week. I think it's mostly from getting back from Mexico, but I'm not like depressed over the loss of this celebrity. Uh, I don't think I've ever been depressed over the loss of somebody. I don't know if I ever will. Because simply put, I don't know these people. But Norm has played into a lot of the sensibilities of my life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was just like, damn, he's dead at 61 and he had cancer for nine years. That's I, I, I just can't believe it. So that's why we had to, uh, <laughs> standing on my soapbox, that's why we had to do a full podcast about him this week. So <laughs> if anyone made it this far, thank you for listening to Ghost Party Radio. Uh, Adam, do you have any plugs you want to make? Yeah, so uh, yeah, check me out on Letterboxd. It's Adam with three M's at the end. And uh, check out my website, adamjcwagner.com, where I post the stuff I'm making. Uh, no jokes. Yeah, uh, check out Adam's Letterboxd. Uh, it's it's very good. Um, I think the worst part about the, uh, the Letterboxd uh, that Adam does is that he uh, doesn't rate the movies. Uh, well, that and uh, the bad film reviews. <laughs> All right, that's you know. I'm just dis- I'm disrespecting Norm Macdonald by doing <laughs> way way inferior versions of his jokes, uh, and I'm still I'm doing the same format. By the way, folks, he didn't have just one format of joke. That's not how he operated. Uh, you can follow me at Trevor Dills on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, on Letterboxd, I'm at Captain Dills. We've never really talked about this. You've never really roasted me about that, but. That was a letterbox I made a long time ago. That was like my Counter-Strike name when I gamed with my friends. Yeah, Captain Bills. <laughs> and uh, follow this podcast at Ghost Party Picks on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you all for listening. Uh, please leave us five stars on the iTunes store or follow us on Spotify. All that shit matters. It really lets us know that we're, uh, we're not still doing this podcast for that core seven or eight people that were listening from episode one. Uh, I've been very happy with the way that the numbers have been going up recently and Uh, I don't know why you're doing it, but keep listening to the show. And uh, we're going to be back next week with our heist series. Adam, we're like a couple weeks away from our October series, which I'm really, really excited about. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. Also, um, I don't know exactly what you have planned for it, but, you know, I'm uh, excited anyway. Yeah, just like a scary movie, I'm going to keep you in the dark. That's right. Just like a scary movie, you're going to end eventually. (laughs) that was my norm uh, tribute thank you everybody for listening to ghost party radio adam we have officially uh and my axe
Worked dirty. Yeah, that was that was the answer. Worked dirty, right? Bye. Who are safer drivers, men or women? Well, according to a new survey, 55% of adults feel that women are most responsible for minor fender benders, while 78% blame men for most fatal crashes. Please note that the percentages in these pie graphs do not add up to 100% because the math was done by a woman. For those of you hissing at that joke, it should be noted that that joke was written by a woman. So, now you don't know what the hell to do, do you?